Hey everyone, and welcome to Jaffa Takes, the podcast where we rewatch Stargate, and sometimes we watch an episode that is just the planet that makes you old, like that one movie. Uh, but uh, and uh, it that it's, it got, it comes after a run of good episodes, and then we we get another bad one. But uh, doesn't really matter because it doesn't have any kind of lore hooks or anything, so we can just cover it and then forget about it. Uh, but it's gonna be fun. So uh, I'm your host uh, Simon, and today we have with us Eric. Toga, toga, toga. <laughs> <laughs> and Dan. Hello. Hi, so thank you for joining us, Dan, who's, uh, I guess, a special guest on this episode here. I'll um, take it. Yeah. Uh, Dan, tell us about your history with Stargate. Uh, okay, so my history with Stargate is uh, I joined the Air Force a while ago, and mm -hmm. my first summer as I was a, a young dorm rat, I watched every season of Stargate SG-1 <laughs> on DVD after work oh, yeah. or before work. And that's, it, too, that's so much. It was a lot. <laughs> so the Air Force so Academy is evangelical, and where you were was a little different. <laughs> well, yeah, I was in Las Vegas at the time, so I, I different was free, gospel. To, free to watch my, uh, my sci-fi. That's great. Well, I mean... Stargate is pretty much a holy text to the Air Force, as far as we could tell. So that that that, that fits. Yes, as uh, far as we continue to say, so yeah. good uh -huh. enough the, for me. The badges confuse yeah. and anger me, but other than that, yes. <laughs> oh, I bet. Like that. That's funny because okay, so you're the first person who would know anything about that to be on this podcast. Oh, oh boy. But we've been saying how like this this show is known for having like Air Force consultants on, on all the time to to check all that stuff. And, uh, and then now you're saying no, maybe it's not that accurate. <laughs> it's just you know you you should be able to look at someone if you're in the military. You can look at with them, and you can say, ah, uh -huh. yes, you did this. And so it doesn't, oh, okay, it doesn't yeah. always line up, and it's just okay. makes me sad. But it's okay. That's no, fine. Uh, yeah, fine. I get it. a good it. job otherwise. It, it, it doesn't properly track the history of all their top-secret Black Ops missions that they go on alien planets in each episode, <laughs> is the thing. Yeah, it just uh, <laughs> rings everywhere. So, yeah, you watched all of Stargate as you want. No, no Atlantis or Universe? That was uh, outside of the purview of the Air Force? Uh, so I did watch Universe uh, a few years uh -huh. later, I guess. And okay. I did not really watch Atlantis, though my oldest brother was really into it and never got me hooked. Uh -huh. Okay. Atlantis is great. Uh, I would recommend to anyone watching or who's watching way ahead of this podcast to, to watch along with Atlantis when they get to it. Uh, hmm. It's... It's about as good as SG-1, I would say. It's at least... Uh, seasons 2 and 3 of Atlantis, which were on at the same time as seasons 9 and 10 of SG-1, were at the time better than the their concurrent SG-1 seasons, in oh, my man. opinion. Um, so, was Atlantis done in cooperation with the Navy, then? <laughs> no. Uh, Atlantis is... like the. 
Yeah, the, the, the military uh, cooperation thing that the show has is pretty much just SG-1 because uh, Atlantis and Universe both uh, go out of their way to say that this is a civilian international expedition where the military is minimally involved, even though, you know, one of the main characters on Atlantis is still an Air Force colonel. Um, but yeah, there's it, it's different, but it's still it's still very much in that mold. Like a Stargate show is a Stargate show. It's not it's not that different. Uh, universe is more different. Uh, it has more actually. Universe is interesting because a, a, a central part of the conflict, at least in like season one of it, is the conflict between the civilians on the ship and the military mm-hmm. uh, because they're both kind of trying to assert their authority because that show is trying to be Battlestar Galactica. <laughs> ah, so they sense. pretty much took <laughs> took that aspect of, of it and put it on a Stargate spaceship. Um, it's so, just a show. Because yeah. we have a Space um, Force now. <laughs> yeah, we do have a Space Force. Maybe, maybe when they finally get around to that revival of Stargate, <sighs> there's going to be some mention of that. Um, <sighs> don't, not holding my breath, but... No. Uh, Anyway, <laughs> uh, I have a, a bit of update of news from uh, things I mentioned on the last episode. Uh, I mentioned that it, there was a, a notice on the Canadian uh, Prime Video pages that, that showed the Stargate SG-1 that said uh, it was going off of the MGM package at the end of the month. And my speculation was that it would it would leave MGM because MGM would just get absorbed into Prime Video because uh, Amazon wants again owns mgm in full now uh mm-hmm. but then like it, it it we got to july 1st which is the day we're recording this happy canada day by the way hey. uh happened to be the only canadian on this episode uh but, <laughs> right, but, we're um, from michigan we're diet canadian yeah, yeah we're used to being surrounded basically by the same thing <laughs> yeah basically the same thing um uh, what was I saying? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So the, the thing that actually happened is when it flipped over to July, uh, nothing happened. The, the warning went away and Stargate SG-1 was still on the MGM package of Frame Video. You still have to play, pay that extra like four bucks a month to get it. And uh, the, the one thing that changed is that they added Stargate Atlantis to it now, which wasn't there before. So uh, it, it still doesn't even have the last five seasons of SG-1. That's nowhere in Canada, but you can still uh, get seasons one through five and all of Atlantis and Universe and the rest. Um, so, yeah, uh, if you were watching along on Amazon Prime with the MGM Extra thing... Uh, in Canada, then nothing cha- is changing for now. Uh, you just stand down the, uh, the false alarm, I guess. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> that's a, that's a weird mix of relief and of ah, dang, we still have to keep paying that extra if we want it. Uh, assuming you want to watch it uh, using legitimate means, which I'm not the police. I'm not going to be there to watch what you're doing in your home. Um, <laughs> So, uh, Brief Candle is episode 8 of Stargate SG-1 Season 1. Uh, like I alluded to, it's uh, it's not... <clears throat> doesn't matter. That episode is, like, self-contained. Uh, we, we don't even get to see ever <laughs> Pelops. He's just a gold, as is mentioned in this episode, and it uh, doesn't matter. So we can just... Uh, if if I if I was putting together like a watch list watch list of Stargate SG one, it would be maybe one I would skip. But there's some fun stuff to talk about on it. Um, so we open on uh, in in our lovely uh, plywood Greek temple set that we've seen before with the the square columns. 
but there's a Stargate in it now and a big marble statue of a dude holding a lightning bolt on a chariot being, being pulled by, by horses. Uh, and there's someone there who's like praying to that statue. And then the Stargate opens. Uh, this planet is named Argos. We're going to learn later on. For once, they, they actually give a name to this planet. Um, <clears throat> and uh, yeah, so the first part of this episode is uh, kind of just chill hanging out, I guess, and party times. Uh, SG-1 steps through the Stargate, and uh, the first thing they notice uh, after the marble statue is we hear a woman screaming in pain because uh, this lady is in labor in the temple. Uh, the man we saw right before the Stargate opened was her her husband. Um, and yeah, she's in labor and has to give birth to a baby now. Uh and that, like the man says, ah, you're not Pelops, because he was uh, praying to the statue, implying that he maybe thought that uh, Pelops, who turns out to be the gold that that brought these people here, uh, would be the one to come to help them, but they are not he. Um, so, uh, basically, yeah, so she, she she's in pain, she's giving birth. Uh, they're just kind of... St- no, they just yeah, they just stand there, and he asks for their help, and that's it for the cold open. Uh, very exciting stuff. <laughs> well, they all um, get uh, Carter first. Yeah, yeah. So of course, like yeah, the, the you have that nice season one sexism under just under the hood uh, of this thing, where they assume that the one woman on the team would be the most qualified to help this woman give birth, uh, but they just, like, kind of look at her, uh, and Hey, she, unless she's pushing that thing out of a wormhole, she doesn't know what to do. No, <laughs> she's, yeah, she's she's not a mom, she's not a, a, a midwife or anything, it doesn't work, uh, but the one who does help in this scene is Daniel, uh, who says... <laughs> Uh, he he wants he wants help to deliver a baby uh, in Mexico on a dig, uh, and then like the local midwives like taught him more once he helped a lady give birth there. Uh, seems like a hell of a story, but uh, that's all we hear about it. And like yeah, he says that this would be just his second delivery ever after that time. So hey, that's better than nothing, I guess. Um, With the two doctors, it's a real score for soft sciences. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Uh, I guess humanities is, well, I mean, humanities and uh, astrophysics, neither of them is like, has a very close relationship with medicine or any of the no. skills you would need to deliver a baby. Um, but, but at least, like, yeah, da- Daniel uh, just like randomly happens to have a minimal amount of experience with this stuff. Uh, <laughs> even though, like, yeah, Tilke, Tilke and O'Neill both have children or have had children, so you'd, you would think maybe, you know, in terms of practical experience, they might have something to add to this, but I guess they weren't really involved in uh, when their <laughs> wives gave birth. Uh, <laughs> That's a shame. But, I hate to see it. Yeah, uh, basically, so it's uh, it's a TV delivery, so we, we cut over and it's already done. Uh, Daniel goes over and congratulates the dad who gives him like a nice strong hug and runs over to see his wife and baby uh, Teal uh, golfers a nice blessing may he grow uh-huh. strong and bring you honor yeah yeah, yeah. Nice. that sounds like <laughs> that's, that's a very Jafar uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's probably the, a thing they, they, they usually say to new parents um so yeah, we move on to Daniel. Now that he's uh, 
come down from the rush of delivering a baby, going back into archaeologist mode and examining that statue uh, and uh, explaining about Mycenae, which is... Like, I, I'm, I'm almost afraid of saying it's a Greek island now, because last time I said that about uh, Minos, and that, that's not the name of an island. They lived on Crete. I don't know if I corrected myself on the, the podcast after that episode. Uh, <laughs> but Mycenaeans are some kind of Greek people, which is uh, what uh, we, we come to the point of, because that's basically the same conversation that uh, Jack and Daniel have. Uh, yes, and- well, as we all know, it was an ancient city in the southern... Peloponnesus region. Oh, Peloponnesus, Pelops. Obviously. That's, yeah. So they, that's some amount of historical research went into this episode, I guess. Uh, they, they, it, there usually is, even when the rest of the episode isn't great. Um, so, uh, yeah, after they've said, hey, Greece, uh, the, the, the new mom walks in with her baby and the dad, and Carter is there saying, whoa, hey, you just gave birth like 15 minutes ago. Maybe don't walk around. But she's like, oh, no, I'm fine. Um, which is, I guess, the first hint that there's something weird is up with this planet. Uh, mm. they, they spot a triangular birthmark on, on this baby's shoulder, which is going to be real useful to like tag him a couple days from now. Uh, <laughs> and they, the, the dad says that they named him Dan L after his favorite Cretonian, uh, <laughs> or, you know, in order of Daniel, but still. It's a sweet one. Um, yeah, it is. Uh, I just like, I couldn't stop thinking that they were in Krypton after this point. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, uh, that's, that's not, once again, that's not what it is. Uh, they say, yeah, uh, those nice folks say they are the chosen, and uh, like uh, the others start to question them about are the gods here or whatever, and they kind of laugh. Uh, they're they're very happy and genial about everything. They say, "Oh, they're in go- they're in the sky." Of course, everyone knows that, which is you know, stupid question, stupid answer, I guess. Um, <laughs> yeah, you're just joking, but now I do actually kind of want to see if there's a Stargate Superman fanfic. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> I'm not ready for that. I mean, there's there's everything. There's there's all fanfic, so I I would bet money on there being at least one piece of, fan, of fanfic that links these two Sterling universes together. Um, Clark tenderly holds Jackson. Yeah, Dan- Daniel Jackson is actually never mind. That's yeah, with the glasses and everything, and yeah, yep. once he you know takes off his jacket and gets a haircut and shows off his muscles and takes off the glasses. He could he could be a convincing Clark Kent and Superman if I if he had to at least in those days uh, of course since that was twenty five years ago, um, so uh, they they go out to this beach, I guess it it looks kind of like a beachside town. Uh, I think it's it's a shot in the same quarry location we we've seen a couple episodes ago, but uh, the, the sun is brighter that day, so it looks actually much nicer. Uh, and I almost convincingly like a beach. Um, another weird thing. So they, they, they look around. Everyone's having fun. Everyone's drinking wine. They're having like a barbecue out there. Um, Getting and ready like, to crowd uh, surf a baby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and someone says, I don't see anyone over 40, which is weird because you would think to sell the concept of this episode, there would be a bunch of old extras hanging out or something. But uh, nope, I guess right. they decided everyone would look young on this planet where specifically you don't stay young for long. Um, which is strange. Uh, so 
this this one lady who's cradling the new baby uh, really stares at O'Neill and gives him the fuck me eyes. Um, <laughs> as, as, that's how I meet most strangers, honestly. Uh, Makes uh-huh, no sense. Yeah, yeah, right. Uh, on, on this uh, extremely sex-starved planet with these very young people who went through puberty extremely fast. Um, uh, so she, she walks over to him with a covered dish and says, hey, you want some of this? And he says, yeah. They open it, and it's a weird flower pizza. I, I have a hard time describing it, but it's, that's really exactly what it looks like. Uh, pizza with flowers on it. Um, if I had and, nightmares yeah. about CC's pizza growing up, it would look like that. <laughs> Some uh, Argo-style pizza. <laughs> yeah, with like, uh, you know, pet- uh, f- uh, fragrant petals on it and stuff. Um, mm. Delicious. And uh, O'Neill <laughs> takes a bite of it and clearly goes, mm-mm, yeah, very good. Uh he goes, yeah. Uh, so he offers some to his friends, and she, the, the lady goes, uh-uh. Uh, Kinthia is her name, by the way. Uh, she says, no, they can't have any. That's all for you. <laughs> and the rest of us. Like, so she, go, she goes back to the other girls, and they kind of giggle about it. Uh, and like O'Neill just kind of keeps eating his pizza, and the rest of us, she kind of makes fun of him, because uh, clearly <laughs> this lady has a crush on him. Uh, but as, uh, yeah. Uh, it's about to get uh, way more serious, uh, that that uh, silly crush, because uh, we, we get like a first-person point of view from O'Neill staring back at this lady, and he's starting to see things all wobbly. Um, <clears throat> he's eating the lotus. Yeah, he's... <laughs> the amount uh, of crimes yeah. in this episode, if you were to, you know, prosecute. Oh, God, yeah. We're we're gonna get there. Uh, oh, there's God. there's a pretty big one when you stop for one second to think about it. Uh, <laughs> oh, God. Oh. Um, so like yeah, they they're, they're, they speculate that uh, the myth they have about the flying chariot and stuff means a spaceship or a glider, and they say, well, like everyone here looks real happy and they don't look like slaves. And Teal says, so maybe Pelps is a good gold. Which uh, gives O'Neill a nice big chuckle with his mouth of the pizza and says, yeah, imagine if, uh, as if there is such a thing. Which, you know, is funny. Uh, more on that in season two. But, um, uh, yeah, he's clearly already high from eating this pizza because uh, he's very giggly very happy uh the ladies all go over there and mob him well not mob him but take him up to like kind of pull him over to a little stool in the corner uh they're (laughs) nice lap dance stool uh i'm sorry but uh hard to find another way to describe it uh because kinthia then comes up and gives him a a nice little belly dance show with these two drapes on sticks and stuff uh uh, where she's wearing a bikini with like a, a, you know, a skirt bottom, and she's acting very sexy in front of him and dancing. And when we see a first-person view, his his view being all blurry and stuff, uh, she's like really hypnotizing to him, and he's very slack-jawed. And then she she goes over to him, and there's a shot where uh, she's kind of in his arms, and like you see her kind of start to go down, and it's really suggestive. Mm. <laughs> In a way that can that almost seems like it can only be intentional, but who knows about the '90s uh, TV people and like their lack of internet and like knowledge of how porn is edited. Um, but Gosh. yeah, they 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 kind of cut before she gets busy, 
and uh, just pulls him into the house that's right next to them. Uh, meanwhile, uh, SG-1 get up and start to protest, but the rest of the party just kind of co- comes over and hands them wine, and they kind of go, oh, okay, I guess we're not going to investigate any further the fact that our boss clearly uh, is acting weird and just went into this house to have sex with this lady we just met. Uh <laughs> <laughs> Nothing. Yeah, I mean, the Jaffa have very strict rules about not uh, taking your superior officer out of the fuck hut. Uh-huh. Like questioning yeah. authority or anything. Uh, you would think maybe, like, Carter, well, he's her superior officer, but, you know, you'd think that maybe something, uh, some kind of proce- procedure to tell him, hey, uh, what you're doing is not cool right now. Uh, and Daniel, you know, being the moral center of the group, you'd, you'd think would raise uh, a further... Moral objection. Oh, what leg does Daniel have to stand on? He right. got married the first time he went to a planet. Good point. Yeah. He became a caveman once and had some, you know, <laughs> caveman sex. And uh, now he's chasing after his wife. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> if Stargate Command is anything like the rest of the Air Force, don't be a cockblock is probably written somewhere in there. God, okay. I wasn't going to bring it up, but oh, yeah. I, I figured I, they say don't, they nobody... say stuff like <laughs> they say stuff like, "Hey, don't be an iris." Uh, uh, boy. Uh, That's God. Uh-huh. Apologies to That's our good. friend Iris if she's listening. Um oh. So, uh, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Look at what you've done. Um, which could be the name of this episode uh, look, look now look what you've done now the name of this episode is going to be the planet that makes you old i'm sorry it's too easy um so uh yeah cut to inside the house where uh they're in the some the middle of a hot makeout sesh uh, with O'Neill now completely naked and so is this lady but with you know the the privacy TV bed sheets covering all the important parts of her body. Um, and Gosh. like all the other people, including the new baby, just walk in and start laying down in bed, which, uh, like, at least that has only a go, wait, whoa, what, what's going on here? Uh, and everyone, like, lays down and instantly passes out, uh, including Kinthia. Um, and like, he's, he's, uh, wondering about what just happened. Uh, so then the rest of SG1 walk in and question the fact that he's naked. And he's like, yeah, okay, uh, we'll talk about that later, but let's talk about how everyone just passed out. And Carter says, I've seen parties end, end abruptly, but never like this, which tells me she hasn't <laughs> been to that many parties because I've seen parties end exactly like this many times. Uh, <laughs> there's just an uh, unseen, uh, end of the party where everyone just passes out that's that's a common occurrence in my experience apparently carter never went to a land party in oh the early God. 2000s <laughs> and she also never went to base housing parties uh. yeah or you know barbecues anything where where a bunch of millennials are hanging out and drinking booze uh with the ones Actual i've been toga parties yeah actual toga parties good point uh even though we're kind of uh yeah, this was after the their golden age, I guess. Um, so well, yeah, there's been two sorry. four toga parties. Mm-hmm. It does always time. It was for it. a it was a yearly occurrence for the Spartan tubas. Oh, nice. Yeah, of course, Spartan. Uh, got to got to stay in the theme of the thing, I guess. Um, so yeah, uh, they start speculating what's going on. O'Neill says maybe it's something in the food as he's about to drink a sip of wine, which good going <laughs> by the way. Uh, <laughs> and like they say, 
Yeah, uh, that wouldn't make sense because we all had this exact same food and drink as each other, except you who had that pizza that no one else could have. Uh, so they finally clue into the fact that maybe there was something in there. Um, <clears throat> but just as he's figuring it out, he also starts passing out. Uh, which is, uh, yeah, you know, spoiler alert, it's not the pizza that's making him pass out. That was just uh, Rufy for him, I guess. Because... Uh, <laughs> Because uh, now he's just he just has the same thing everyone has, uh, so yeah, everyone is asleep, and we cut to the next morning. Uh, no indication of what SG One did. I guess they just went to bed also at this point, because uh, it's the next day, and everyone is just uh, minding their own business as if nothing uh, even happened. Um, and you see O'Neill get up like a little bit after everyone and uh, clearly very hungover. He, he's doing the universal symbol for hungoverness, which is a uh, walkout, uh, immediately put, put some sh- sunshades on and then dunk his head right into the fountain to uh, <laughs> clear his thoughts. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, uh, yeah, he says, I want to know what happened. But also, like, clearly he's just slept a whole night and now he's just sending the rest of us you want to figure it out because he's too tired and hungover to do anything. Uh, he just lays down on the side of the fountain and tells everyone, hey, keep asking questions and figure it out, which is uh, great leadership from uh, the <laughs> the leader of our team right there. Uh, yeah, don't want to micromanage. No, yeah. You just know how to delegate mostly. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so we have Daniel uh, taking some uh, camcorder footage, footage of the inside of the temple and asking questions about uh, Pelops and like the the people and why they're called the Chosen. Um, so he asks this guy, uh, Alekos is his name, uh, if there's any writings that they could maybe translate to learn the history of their people and maybe uh, what's with the passing out, because I guess that's the only thing they're worried about right now. Um, uh, Alakos doesn't even know what writing is, uh, but like the Daniel spots some symbols on the base of the statue and asks about them. Alakos doesn't even have like mind space for a concept to describe what these things are. Uh, he just says, mm-hmm. these are things that are of Pelops. Um, and Teal says, "Hey, I recognize this. Uh, that's gold writing. I know where. It, well, I know what it is." And uh, uh, Daniel says uh, he calls it linear A script, which is some kind of thing, some kind of ancient Greek uh, dialect that has never been completely translated, I guess. Uh, but Teal is familiar enough with them that he recognizes that they're in a sequence, and he pushes like two of them in, like uh, three of them in, like five different pushes and like it opens up a little drawer with uh with a tablet in it and some kind of like purple stone and i just want to point out that uh two uh tiles to the right of the one that opens up there seems to be a mcdonald's logo which uh is distracting <laughs> once you notice it <laughs> i can't see that now. Uh, yeah uh-huh. yeah well it, it has another line that goes up yeah but so that's Pelops the, was definitely loving it. Yeah, he was loving it. That's McDonald. That's the the gold branch of McDonald's has just a different logo. That's that's their logo from ancient Greece or whatever. Um, yeah. No, <laughs> you hit another combination of buttons and that opens up and it has hash browns in it. Mm. <laughs> yeah, uh, delicious. Uh, only before ten a.m. <laughs> <laughs> oh, plastic Stargate. I I would love to see like uh, a a range of Stargate Happy Meal toys. Uh, 
unfortunately, that never happened. Um, so, yeah, Tilt takes out that tablet and, like, kind of swipes the purple stone over it, which seems to turn the page because he sees uh, several different pages of, uh, of uh, characters appear on the tablet. And he starts reading it and he says it's some kind of record uh, or it's a log, I guess. Uh, he says it's hard to decipher, but he can, like, start reading it or something. Um, yeah, he swipes through it really quickly for it'd be but, that hard to decipher. But but there, through it. Yeah, there's like 15 to 20 characters on each page of it. It's like it would take like eight of those to make a tweet. So it's not that yeah, long to read, I guess. Look, he's just doing He's scrolling. just looking at the pictures. Yeah. <laughs> looking for the summary. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, yep. Uh, <laughs> uh, so we're over on the beach now and uh, Carter is collecting soil samples and the lady from uh, yesterday walks over with uh, like about a one to one and a half year old toddler in her arms uh, she she goes over and talks to Carter and she uh, Carter asks how's the baby and uh, and uh, the lady Thetis is her name says oh well he's right here you can ask him ask him yourself this is Danielle uh and like she kind of like, yeah. Carter at first is like, wait, no, I mean the baby you literally had yesterday, not this guy, not this boy. <laughs> and she says, yeah, this is him. Uh, <laughs> it's been a day, and he can walk and has hair now, so that makes sense. Uh, and we see a close up of the yeah. same triangle birthmark uh, to confirm that it's the same. So, uh, yeah, first clue that something is uh, gravely wrong on this planet now. Uh, so they they so they 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 chat a little bit more and they they ask her like so like this lady is like why are these people so weird and asking me about my baby like of course this is what she's always known this is how, as far as she knows how things always happen uh that's how fast people grow uh and like they they ask him about they they ask her about like a, a an extra teenager guy who's like over in the distance and she says well he's 12 and they go oh well okay he maybe looks a little bit for 12 but not that that much and like uh 12 she says 12 years old and like uh Thetis is like wait what is a year i don't understand uh they start trying to explain the concept of a year to her once again by saying how many days are in a year for the second episode running where they have to explain that to someone um <laughs> Uh, but yeah, she goes, no, 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 wait, I said 12 because he's 12 days old, um, which is, yeah, just confirming what I guess we, we'd already suspected. Uh, and uh, Thetis herself is 21 days old, and Kinthia is 31 days old, which uh, means she was born somewhere around when uh, Hansen was going crazy on the planet with the bad sun like a few episodes ago. Uh, so... <laughs> I guess Richard D- Dean Anderson gets to make the face of a character who just learned that the lady he had sex with was a 31-day-old baby. Uh, <laughs> so. uh, yeah, I'd love to see the direction on that. Uh-huh. Yeah, <laughs> more I sad, mean, more mad, yeah, more confused. Yeah, yeah uh, please, yeah. Please, please, please look weirded out, I guess. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I need you to um, visibly hate yourself right now. Uh-huh. So, yeah, that's not, like, the weird uh, directions we're going to get with Richard Dean Anderson later in this episode or something else, too. Um, so, uh, they, 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 they do more talking, which is uh, a lot of what they do on this episode. 
in fact, it's pretty much an all talk episode of this show. Uh, yeah. uh, so they they explain more like how Pelops did uh, some kind was some kind of gold scientist who wanted to do. Um, experiments with human lab rats and like uh, genetically modified them to uh, age way faster because he wanted to do fast iterations on on human generations I guess to see how the rate of human evolution or something like the, the kind of the way uh, scientists do with fruit flies and like have many generations and with selective breeding and stuff to see whatever result they want to see so basically that's what he's doing with these people uh, just want to quickly point out that Tilk has a bunch of flashcards with each of them having a single symbol on them while they're like figuring out the translation of this tablet which is very cute, I like it mm. uh, <laughs> um, so uh, yeah, th so they say yeah, they don't know what caused this to happen but uh, Daniel speculates that uh, if this is some kind of virus, uh, it could have spread through physical contact, and they, they come just short of saying what he means, which is he thinks it's an STD. Um, yes. Which... A Stargate STD. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I like that series. Uh -huh. oh, you yeah. know what? There's promise there. Uh -huh. That's that's just universe, actually. Um, oh, yikes. <laughs> Because there's a lot of boning on that show. Um, so yeah, uh, they, they speculate and they happen to be right that uh, O'Neill caught it from having sex with this baby. Uh, <laughs> God. Oh, I hate that so much. I mean, I'm sorry. It's it's really hard not to think about that. Um, uh, so they, they go the back to... mind of a child. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's the other thing. Like, I guess everyone learns to talk, and like within five days of being born on this planet or whatever, it's just. I'd love to don't see their education system. Yeah, I mean, who is the, the baker? I mean, <laughs> what did what did Pelops do? Like, did he do anything to the crops to make them grow? Yeah, I don't know, right? Because you would think, like, if. You would be harvesting like the wheat that was planted by your great grandfather. Like it, it would be weird as hell, right? Um, oh man. Um, yeah. Uh, this this flower pizza was started five generations <laughs> right? ago. That, that's why it's so hard. That, that's why it's so significant and important. Like refining the opium that's in it takes so long. Uh, God. <laughs> Talk about heirloom tomatoes. Oh my God. <laughs> Nice. Um, there was pizza sauce on that. Uh-huh. There had to be. Swear to God. Wouldn't be pizza. Um, it's fair. So, yeah, they go back to O'Neill to talk to him about this, and he's, like, kind of in denial. He says, I, I don't have that, by the way, even though you just said you think it's spread through bodily contact, uh, heavy air quotes. Uh, and then, like, the sun goes down, and everyone on the planet, ex including O'Neill, except the rest of SG-1, uh, passes out once again. Um and right before he passes out, he tells Carter to go back to Earth and figure it out. So uh, we get to go back to Earth in uh, the nice research lab that they have. Uh, and Dr. Fraser is there. And uh, I guess they, they took a blood sample, uh, several blood samples from the people there, uh, including O'Neill. And they're looking at it on the computer. Uh, and they find these little, like particles in the blood that O'Neill has a bunch of, uh, and the Argosians also have some, but O'Neill has even more, and they don't know what it is. Uh, 
So we go back to the planet and we get uh, the first stage of the old man makeup on this episode, which is uh, still tasteful, I guess. Uh, <laughs> O'Neill has like kind harder of harder and harder to look at over yeah, time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it it seems like they get cheaper and cheaper, or they ran out of time to make better makeup, because uh, that's clearly a all. little yeah. It's a little caveman-y right a here. A little bit, yeah. like the the brow is less pronounced. The thing is, he has a much higher forehead oh. with like he's like balding, like his uh he has a receding hairline, and it, he he's a little more pockmarked and a little more wrinkly and. Like his acting at this stage is basically just grumpy. He's just like he he just kind of grumbles his lines out, and he's very annoyed. And he he's just like, yeah, he's he, he's at uh he's he's at the age of grumpiness. Um, so he asks uh, Carter what's going on if they figure anything out, and she says, uh, "We haven't really figured anything out." Except that there's something in the blood, I guess, but she doesn't even... Uh, yeah, okay, she says that. That uh, whatever it is, is multiplying, and it's going faster and faster in O'Neill, which means he's going to catch up to uh, the people there and age even faster than they will, uh, which is, you know, big problem. They, they say, so at the rate it's going, he'll be over 100 uh, within two weeks of catching this thing. Uh, so, of course, he'll be dead by then. Um, so, uh, Carter wants to set up a lab on this planet to examine everyone and uh, see if they can figure something out. And uh, O'Neill, at this point, is worried that uh, the rest of SG-1, by staying there, might catch the virus or whatever. So he orders everyone else to go to go back to Earth uh, uh, it, and figure it out from there, I guess. And Teal volunteers to stay behind since, being a Jaffa, he can't catch anything. Uh, but O'Neill says, ah, no, you're the only one that can read the tablet, actually, so you need to be on research team. Um, and, yeah, and he said... He orders everyone to take a promise yeah. not to have sex with anyone else on the planet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, make, make go a, through the promise ring back home. Right, a purity <laughs> pledge uh, on this planet for, full of hot, <laughs> horny people, and for some reason, no old people, even though it's specifically a planet that makes you old. Um <laughs> Um, so uh yeah we get back to earth uh and we see like i guess she's like they just zoomed in with the microscope because they they can see that the things that were in the blood are these little pyramids uh and they're basically nano machines uh uh yeah they mentioned earlier I, i think that they don't have a word for what it is which is correct because this was aired about a year before metal gear solid came out so the word nano machine didn't exist yet i guess um mm. that, that's not true uh but anyway um they, they figure out that these machines are replicating and not multiplying which uh okay yeah this is the scene where they say they call it nanocytes i guess which is uh Another word for nanomachines. Uh, they said that they were... Uh, so when she was at the Pentagon, they they had a research project about uh, figuring out nanotechnology, but uh, they didn't get very far with it. And this is basically uh, that project uh, come to fruition. Uh, 
Pelops basically uh, succeeded where the Pentagon tried and uh, made some self-replicating nanomachines that once in someone's blood can wreak some pretty bad havoc in there. Uh, which is nice to know, you know, that the Pentagon was developing that uh, potential bioweapon there. Very reassuring. It's them or the CIA. Right. <laughs> which is, you know, the, not much difference. Like, because the Pentagon is always the bad guys this early in the series. It's not the NID yet, which is, you know, the space CIA. Um, Smart. So uh, we got a funny kind of scene where uh, O'Neill is kind of... So he, I guess he made a fire in the gate room and he's looking at the statue through the fire to yell at it and like uh, toss insults at him. And Kintia, <laughs> who is just like hiding behind the statue, just kind of pops up from the side of it and says, can he really hear what you're saying? Um, which, you know, once again, she's a month old, so uh, very naive oh. and uh, comes off as very stupid. And uh, the fact that he had some day one sex with her uh, sure paints a picture uh, about this character and her relationship with him. Um, God. Honestly, so, those si- yeah. sitting in that chair, he looks like Christopher Lambert playing the protagonist in a Clint Eastwood film. And it's just <laughs> tough. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just looking at the picture again. I just oof. Uh-huh. Yeah, I see what you mean. I see what you mean. That that there's a, a that there's the, the like uh, atmosphere to this scene. Um, so she comes up to him and asks him, and she wants to uh, to to learn all about his people. And she mentions the marriage cake, uh, and he says, "Oh wait, that's what this thing was. Uh, you brought it, this to me, and me eating by me eating it, we were officially married." Uh, which you know, O'Neill doesn't take a second to explain the concept of mutual cons- consent when it comes to marriage or anything, and how. Yeah, she's she's just so so sheltered on this planet that she can't imagine anyone not understanding that eating this cake is an acceptance of a marriage proposal. Um, but yeah, he's he's trying to like let her down softly, I guess, because he's like, yeah, you know, I came over, you drugged me, we had sex, but uh, this this whole marriage and being in love thing isn't really something I can do, considering we just met. Um, uh, and she, she yeah <laughs> and, and she kind of like still keep i mean it was a short engagement period right but i mean given the planet yeah like by 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 their customs they they dated for uh thir- what's a 30th of a life that's like three years or something right so it, it's like they've been dating a long time the the, the way their, their courtship was i guess uh, um so yeah, uh, she she keeps trying to like convince him that no 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 we're married we're gonna live together happily, and uh, he tries to explain like he says he's forty years old and tries to get across that that's many many thousands of days. Which by the way I looked it up and Richard Dean Anderson was forty seven at this at this time. Uh, so you know, uh, forty is uh, flattering him I guess, uh, but <laughs> <laughs> that's fine. Yeah, at this point uh, O'Neill gets frustrated and covers his face. Uh-huh. And then she panics because she doesn't have object permanence <laughs> oh, yet. No. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I hate it. Uh-huh. And then he uncovers his face and scares her. Uh-huh. And and then like she she I goes inside, but then she she laughs because he's back. Um, <laughs> but yeah, then then he like 
he gets really bitter and starts destroying her worldview by explaining to her that people normally live to be, you know, 60 or 70 or even in some cases 100 years old uh, and that Pelops uh, was a bad guy and that he's, he cursed them with a short lifespan because he was just curious and didn't care about humans and she gets very sad at learning this. Uh, I think, it's I guess It's hard she to does. confront the trouble spots in your own culture. Uh huh, but it's yeah. At this point, she like kind of runs off and like doesn't want to confront it. But it's weird because like uh, we're already over halfway through this episode, and uh, the, like the next time they confront people about this stuff, they're just gonna accept it and it's gonna be fine. Actually, uh, it's it this yeah. It has weird pacing and conflict resolution. Um, so we're back on Earth where they're doing more experiment where they're, I guess, trying to feed the nanocyte to figure out what makes it tick. And they have it in this, like, isolation pod thing uh, with some holes with rubber gloves, which is, like, the only way you can manipulate stuff inside of it. Uh, very high-tech looking. And, like, uh, Carter is kind of trying to feed the nanocyte something with a syringe or something. Um, Looks like Dexter's mom is doing science. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Um, wait, uh, do, which Dexter do you mean? The one, the, the serial killer Dexter? Oh, uh, from the laboratory. Okay, yeah, that's the one I thought also. I just realized afterwards uh, you could have meant uh, someone else. Okay. No, not uh, Anthony Michael Hall? Right. Yeah. The, Question that, mark? That's his name. Uh, yeah, same Dexter I'm familiar with. I'm glad I understood the right reference there. Uh, but, okay, so uh, the rubber gloves inside this thing, like an alarm sound, uh, which, by the way, you know, this thing is hooked up to, to some alarms that can detect r- really minute changes in the integrity of rubber, apparently. Uh, but, like, yeah, she notices that the, the gloves start kind of flaking off of her hands, and she, like, immediately uh, pulls her hands out and sees the thing and goes to wash her hands. Uh, and they're like, ooh, scared of it, because uh, these nanocytes are trying to, are starting to spread and might be dangerous, actually. Uh and uh, that's it, actually, because this is, like, the last time this is a problem in this episode. They don't really go anywhere with this. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but then all of that was just to cut uh, to something else before we cut back to Argos, where uh, O'Neill has progressed to stage two of uh, being old, <laughs> which is uh, an even bushier wig uh, that is thinner and, like, a five o'clock gray shadow. Uh <laughs> And he looks like he's got less makeup there, weirdly enough, but he has like a wig. It's it's weird, but like his forehead looks more natural in this stage. Um, he's writing like, uh, he's trying to write a letter in his notepad that starts with Dear Sarah, which is uh, the one the one nice part of this, uh, knowing that it's like two episodes after Cold Lazarus, and he might be like, when he thinks he's gonna die, uh, he what he's trying to do is maybe get his thoughts together and find something to say to his ex-wife concer- concerning their dead son or something. Um, but uh, yeah, we don't. And his streak of bad luck with kids just keeps on coming. Oh right, oh, yeah, God. <laughs> I, I can't believe she didn't die in this episode. We, we, we can we can really trace that line between Charlie, Scara, uh, the Knox kid from last episode. Uh, all the kids he comes across seem to die. Uh, we're going to have Cassandra like in a few episodes again, which is another kid that he's going to come in contact with. Um, weird, yeah, weird, weird streak of bad luck. Uh, 
So it's like he's uh, in his own hell dimension. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, Alekos uh, comes over and uh, it's his turn to come and try to talk to O'Neill. And O'Neill says, "Ah, forget He's just like being very grumpy. Uh, Mangy cat. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> and uh, he like Alekos is like he he tries to appeal to the statue and says, "How could you let this happen to this man? He's aging so fast now, and he's gonna die, and he's so angry. And you've been such a good god to us." And O'Neill is basically just uh, yells behind us back that no, he's he sucks, uh, he sucks, he's a bad guy, he's a gold. You shouldn't like listen to his teachings. You should just actually do the opposite of what he taught you to do because he's a bad guy. And you should act like you have thousands of days ahead of you and live your life to the fullest. And he says, oh, if I, if I could do that, I would like go everywhere and walk and explore and everything and like bring the knowledge back so that everyone would, would uh, learn about our, uh, about our world. And like, uh, only is like, yeah, you should do that. And then like, Alakos doesn't do that. He's not the one that goes off to have a walk. Um. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Eric, you just posted a a picture of Neil Young in the chat and said, Colonel O'Neill Young, which you're right that this stage of the makeup does bear a passing resemblance to him. (laughs) I like that. so, uh, we get like a time-lapse sun, sunrise or sunset or whatever. I uh, forget which one it is. To uh, pro- progress to the next day. And O'Neill, once again, has leveled up in old man makeup. Because now he, is, he has longer hair and even more wrinkles on his face. Um, and he's sitting in front of the Stargate. Uh, which, you know, we pointed out every time. Uh, don't sit there because it might open and disintegrate you. Uh, but, you know, that hasn't been established yet in canon. Um, uh, so, Kinthia comes up and talks to him, and now he's like, he's, he's just kind of whining like this when he talks now, and she's just like, <laughs> it's like his old acting is getting more and more atrocious <laughs> and hard to watch. It's, it's, it's getting uh, prospector-y. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I wish I had more time in my life. Um, I'd be more worried about coyotes if I was you. Yeah, sorry. So yeah, he tells he tells Kinthia about Sarah, uh, he, about his ex-wife specifically, and um, Kinthia asks, "Oh, wait, you're just a rebound." Yeah, <laughs> she says, "Oh, you had a wife, and now because of me, you're never gonna see her again." And he's like, oh, oh, no, it's fine. You didn't know. Um, and then she's like, okay, well, I took your life away from you. So I'm going to try to make good on it by, I guess, boning you. Because like she starts kissing him and she, she figures, well, I'm going to make you feel young while you're getting old or something. Which is... Uh, I'll make you feel young again. Goo goo gaga. Give me kisses. <laughs> <laughs> it's so much. <laughs> it's uh. awful. Oh, this this is a bad episode, everyone. It's just there, there's nothing to, like every scene is just people talking. There's nothing to talk about. They're they're just figuring figuring out the science and then talking about being old and it sucks. Um. And then you come you cut into scenes and it's just a young woman kissing an increasingly old decrepit person. It's just uh-huh. troubling. Yeah, 
so now we're at the briefing room for General Hammond's sole appearance in this episode, where he basically goes, well, the nanocytes have tried to eat through the gloves, so I'm pulling the plug on this whole project, and you need to flush this shit out of here and uh, get rid of it, because we don't want a new contagion to spread on Earth, which, you know, at least he's learning from past mistakes. Uh, they don't want another broken divide situation to happen. Um but, uh, yeah, that basically he says, like, that's the final word. He's like, and they, SG1 tries to convince him to keep working on it to figure it out. And he says, nope, uh, it's too bad for O'Neill, but he'd make the same decision if our roles were reversed. Um, so I guess, uh, then between, the, uh, in between scenes, they've sent, uh, O'Neill a recording on a portable TV that he can watch where they can like tell him uh, what happened because um, they say yeah we can we can send you stuff but uh, the, the general won't let anyone else come through the gate uh, so no one can go over there and help you anymore uh, so they give him like kind of farewells on this video and Sorry, Tilk, uh, Tilk says, uh, Colonel, you know, I've come to learn a great deal from you, and uh, I guess that's it. So, we get a close-up of O'Neill, who's now, I guess, it's, it looks like the same makeup as before, but his beard is longer. So, it's probably not his real beard, they probably didn't wait like a week between uh, recording shots for this episode, because that would be crazy. Um, so, uh, the next Let's scene... Go. Yeah. Uh, the next scene is old man O'Neill reenacting Jesus's freaking out at the temple, uh, basically, because <laughs> uh, all the people on this planet are over there uh, giving offerings to the statue of food and stuff. Uh, a nice touch is while the while the adults on the planet, none of them like visibly age over the course of these few days, which you know would be a, a few years for them. So I guess it's not. Uh, it wouldn't be that visible on their bodies. Uh, but, like, they have a kid with them who looks like he's 10 years old now, so clearly that's baby Danelle, who's now uh, a grown child uh, on the edge of being a teenager. Um, so they come over and they pray to Pelops, and they figure, if we, if we do offerings to our god, maybe he'll save you. And O'Neill gets real mad at it. He starts smashing the offerings and stuff, and he yells at them like, hey, Pelops is a bad guy. He's a ghoul. He doesn't care about me or about you or anyone. Uh, he made you slaves, and he experimented on you, and he shortened your lives. And all of this stuff is stuff that he's been saying since he started being there. Like It's not like they've hidden this from them until now, but this time, it's really getting to them, and they all kind of start crying and decide, okay, now that you've said that, I'm gonna, I'm gonna renounce my entire my entire culture and religion and we're not going to get any pushback from anyone in this room on this as we uh tie ropes to this to this statue and decide to just tear it down right right, right here right now uh it's they really flipped their entire worldview on a dime based on like one angry old man um well the thing is they have to respect the, their elders and now he actually looks yeah, like an elder that's right Maybe that's the core of their value uh, system is uh, respect for the elders. Uh, so yeah, they they tear the statue down. Uh, there's there's a nice shot of all the the Argosians looking towards the heavens and waiting to be struck down in anger, uh, but nothing happens. So everyone is happy and starts laughing and yay! So we've 
we've cast aside our chains, we're no longer bound by the will of Pelops. Um, so, yeah, even so, O'Neill and Kinthia decide that to celebrate that, they're gonna take a long walk on the beach away from the village. And uh, he's like even old, he, he, he's even older now, he's approaching Crypt Keeper at this point. Uh, oh, yes. <laughs> and uh, or like final stage of guy who drank the wrong holy grail, wh- whichever reference <laughs> resonates the most with you. Um, but he's walking with Kintia, and she gets worried because uh, this is the farthest she's ever been from home, uh, as Samwise Gamgee would have said. But he's like, oh, don't worry about it. Uh, we can just keep walking. He's not going to know. Uh, it cuts to him playing tic-tac-toe with her and her kicking his ass because he clearly, like, the, 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 the circle he draws was not a forced one, clearly. Like, he could have easily blocked her tic-tac-toe there. So I guess he's starting to uh, losing to be lost to dementia at this point, even though that's going to be apparently reversible by the end of this episode. Um, and, like, she, like, puts on the horniness at, on him again by asking him, hey, do you think you're, you're going to fuck again before you die? And he says, oh, I hope not. Uh, I like, but before <laughs> before they get started, uh, like he says, I'd probably just pass out, uh, and like, and then he realizes hey, that did Pelops give you any little blue pills <laughs> while he was here. She's going for the heart attack mercy kill, right? That's yeah, I guess, or she doesn't know anything about that, and she's just that horny at the at forty days old, I guess. Um, but yeah, uh, him saying he's he would just pass out uh, makes him realize that it's night. It's fully nighttime, and neither of them have passed out now, which is weird because uh, that's always happened up until now. Um, yeah, I mean, at his age, he'd be hitting the bed yeah, early to get yeah, ready for six the six o'clock uh, sharp. He'd be in, he'd be in bed, right? The early bird special at uh-huh. dinner. <laughs> um, so I guess they walk back to the village. They haven't. I guess they've walked all night. Uh, it's uh, it's past sunrise and everyone is still asleep. Uh, and like O'Neill wants is trying wants to figure it out, so he starts asking Kintia. So what what exactly is the rule regarding not leaving the village? And Kintia says, "Oh, it's actually like the first commandment. It's like he's gonna kill us for if we leave the village. That's the most important thing." And only says, "Okay, well, actually, so that means that whatever is making feel people fall asleep is in the village, and we could have just left, and it would have been fine, maybe." Uh, which is a real nice way to say that uh, the resolution of this episode is kind of a waste of time, and like the the problem could have been solved by just walking away from it this whole time uh which is very <laughs> exciting tv um uh but like yeah o'neill is still confused because like uh th- the fact that they were out of the village explains why they didn't pass out but it doesn't explain why everyone is still asleep now so he still needs to figure something out and they walk back into the temple and find a big buzzing glowing uh alien device of some kind which was embedded in the base of the statue which is now uh, exposed from them pulling the statue out, um, which you would think they would have noticed before, considering it looks to be very noisy and it flashes a, an orange light. Um, but I guess it it, it passed uh, without notice uh, at first. Uh, they were still riding the adrenaline high of pulling down a statue. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's hard to top that. They went out in the streets to flip a few cars. Right. 
and like O'Neill is just like the, the adrenaline from from the statue was just too high at this point. He's like he he's, he it got too much for his heart uh, at that point to keep doing science, which is already not his usual uh, pastime that he likes to do. Um, so like yeah, he walks out with this device that was in the in the statue, and then we cut we we have a target transition to the rest of SG One stepping through with gas masks. Um, which, like, it really leaves us to connect some dots that, like, there's a couple of dots in between those that aren't really filled in that we have to figure out for ourselves. But the fact that he pulled out this device and figured out it has something to do with the, with the passing out means that he called Earth and told them about it, meaning that it was enough to convince Hammond to send SG1 back and figure it out, I guess. Um, but, uh, yeah. It's uh, there's also like so apparently they as you want also independently figured it out because they say that on the tablet that we saw earlier there were two sets of glyphs that they couldn't recognize but Tilke eventually realized that they were numbers and not letters so uh, he, like they figured out that uh, these were frequencies for a device uh, and that they just didn't know what device it was, but now they have the device and they figure out, hey, there's one frequency that just, uh, tells all the, all the nanomachines to put people to sleep and do their thing and age them. And the other one is to, uh, stop the process and wake them up. So, uh, when they broke the statue, it just broke the, the pass out signal. No, wait, it broke the wake, it broke the wake up signals, which is why everyone in the village, uh, was just passed out since then, which, Presumably means they've all aged like a year and a half in that night and a half they've had they've been sleeping, uh, but but at least it's the it's the last time uh, they do that because uh, they they then completely deactivate the device. So even though they still have the nanocytes in their bodies, there's nothing telling them to do their thing. So they they everyone on that planet gets to age at a normal rate and then like they figure out so what about O'Neill and he says well okay I'm not gonna die in two weeks but I'm pretty old now so I guess I'm just gonna retire and live in Florida now Uh, and they and they say oh no it turns out that because of science and because you were already old before this uh, without the radio signal the things will just your body will just heal from the damage that these nanocytes did to you and you will unage back to your normal age by a week or two, which is TV for by next episode. Um, <laughs> so yeah, very uh, convenient bow to tie everything neatly up at the end of this episode, and everything is nice. Um, Good news, bad news. Good news, you're going back to your normal uh-huh. age. Bad news, you have to pass the nanocytes through your, your <laughs> yeah, These things look sharp. He does mention prostate issues uh-huh. earlier in the yeah, episode. Yeah, he, he says, I guess... Heals. Nanocytes are stored in the balls. <laughs> also, yeah, I guess his body will just heal his prostate something that he has? Maybe cancer? Question mark? Uh, so does that mean he knows that when he'll be old, he's, he's going to develop that cancer and now he can get an early screening for it? I hope so. Um, yeah, it's like a 20 No, it's knee. just an enlarged... <laughs> It's just a normal enlarged okay, prostate. Okay, maybe it's just that. I don't know. I'm no prostate expert. Mm. Uh, <laughs> um, so, yeah, they're, 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 there's just a... <laughs> There's your episode title. <laughs> I'm no prostate expert. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, so uh, he he talks to Kinthia alone at the end of the episode. Then he says, "I ah, will send people over sometimes to make sure everything's going fine on your planet." And Kinthia's like, "Hey, it would be nice if you came back sometime." And O'Neill's like, "Ah, uh, you know, uh, I don't think so, but uh, I'm gonna, I'm never gonna forget you?" Question uh, mark. Which I guess he won't. Uh, but uh, I guess O'Neill is trying at this point to avoid uh, the the ethically dubious situation of being seduced once again by a an extremely underage woman who is only physically mature. Uh, <laughs> um, hey, uh, remember when I was telling you how I kind of still love my ex-wife? Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, there's that. I'm I'm not completely over her. He still has to do a bunch like of like off-screen character development about that. Um, but it is nice that they, they brought that detail back for this episode because uh, they kind of leave that to uh, between the lines, mostly after Cold Lazarus. Uh, and that's it for this episode. Uh, yeah, Brief Candle. Uh, forgettable is the word I would use for it. <laughs> it's just... Brief Candle, thank God it's Yeah, brief. I mean, it's the, it's the same length as any episode, but it has so little plot to it. It's all just technobabble. It's just like talk about the problem until you figure out the science and why it's not a problem because literally the solution in this case uh, even more banal than the allergy medication in that other episode was to do nothing and to just if they just left this planet it would have been fine and it just took the whole episode to learn that yay exciting Um, and like Pelops is never going to appear on this show so we don't even have to think about that like it's not going to be important for anything in the future it's a one and done and we're done Um, so uh, we got just in the nick of time a couple questions about this episode uh, by our friend Aurora Borealis who asks if you get to make a beach that gives you some effect the more you stay on it what would you make the effect uh, I guess in reference to the beach that makes you old, what what would be a good beach? Um, beach beach effect. Beach of the beach effect. Yeah, what what's a good beach effect? Uh, a beach that just gives you money and like pays your debts or builds houses for the homeless or something would be great on a pure pragmatic scale. Um, for the sake of comfort, I would most appreciate a beach that gets me less sandy over time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. A beach that makes you less sandy, which is, you it's know, just it's just very difficult. The, the, the second you lift your foot off of the sand, it just goes, it stays all on the ground. None of it, none of it sticks to you in any way. Uh, that's yeah, it's the, just a kinetic sand beach. Yeah. I mean, the, the, they have beach with like coarser, I mean, yeah. Like, pebble beaches are almost kind of that already. It's just less pleasant than sand to step on, I guess. But it's also less hot. Um, yeah, pebble beach does not sound nearly as magical. No offense to pebble uh, beaches. I would like a beach... <laughs> I'd like a beach that the longer I'm on it, the more resistant I am to uh, sun rays. Uh-huh. Ah. Yeah, so that you don't have to put any uh, sunscreen when you go there. That, that would be handy. Uh Yes, because I am white as shit. It's and, true. Uh, about ten minutes in the sun yeah. gets me starting Same. to burn. Also, extremely yeah. white. Uh, 
based on uh, on your name and beard and stuff, I would assume that uh, you have you you are of Nordic blood. Uh, I, I I I too share that curse or whatever uh, of uh, yeah, really burning in the sun whenever it's too strong. Let's just say I would have been at home next episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, that's a good point. Um, yeah. Uh, so she also asks, "How was the old beach movie? Should I watch it?" Uh, I haven't seen old, uh, unless by the old beach movie you mean the movie The Beach, which is great, and you should watch that one. Um, <laughs> but no, I haven't seen old. Uh, I will probably eventually watch it just to listen to the blank check episode about it but i'm not super excited about it because you know Shyamalan has not been great <laughs> have either of you seen definitely old? watch clips of uh, that i saw clips of that i don't think i watched the whole movie though yeah i've seen the trailer it looked creepy and uh, not much else to say about it <laughs> if she's talking about from here to eternity it's got pretty good uh-huh. reviews but i've never actually okay. watched it no she was talking about old once again, which is apparently not a movie any of us have seen. Uh, but watch The Beach, the movie with Leonardo DiCaprio. It's pretty good. It's it's almost like, you know, Far Cry 3? It's basically the story of Far Cry 3, but it's it's a movie, and it's good. So, hmm. I mean, should you watch it? Why not? Yeah. I mean, it's hard for me to say that my time would be wasted watching right. any movie considering my youtube history <laughs> right. like yeah we're, we're doing a podcast on stargate and we just covered one of the worst episodes of stargate so it can't possibly be a worse use of your time than listening to us or watching that episode so go ahead do that uh, <laughs> um the that makes this a very safe introduction for me, then. Uh-huh, yeah. If we, Can't if we, get worse. Yeah, we had you contained to one where, no, it's not It's not that. It's just that because it's uh, Canada Day slash 4th of July weekend, everyone else had plans <laughs> for this weekend, and uh, Eric had already suggested that uh, we have you on for an episode since you knew Stargate, so I figured, hey, would be a good time for it. Uh, so there you go. That's the that's the backstory. You like episodes about baby sex, right? <laughs> nope. Nope, let, nope, let, nope. Let's dodge all the cool ones about mythology and like cool aliens and spaceships and stuff and have one that's just about baby sex, yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's not about uh, the Mongolians, you know, no, selling women. I, I, so no. you're yeah, clear on that one. I would even one. venture to say this episode was better than that one. This this was probably the second worst episode we've covered so far, though. Like easily, I would say this is worse than like the That's first tough, commandment. Yeah. yeah. Though it does feel like this is the most Star Trek. Yeah, one. there's also that the the, mm, the, the idyllic like utop- utopic planet that has a dark secret behind it is very Star Trek. It, it reminds me of the one where Wesley steps on the grass and is condemned to death. Weirdly enough, it's it, it has the same kind of feel to these like bimbos running around on this paradise planet and having parties. Uh, anyway. Um, uh, last question, also by her. Uh, by the end of the show, is O'Neill going to become a petri dish of every weird space disease? Uh, yeah, you know what he he does. Like he he's caught caveman virus and old uh, nano machines so far. I I'm trying to remember of any other time. Oh yeah, he catches the thing in season two, uh, like the sphere that drives a spear through him and like. Has has some kind of hive mind start to speak through him. That's another episode where he has a hard time. Yeah, he. 
I, I would say now that now that she mentions it, uh, O'Neill tends to be the one that catches the the problem of the week, uh, and like the problem is they have to to solve it. Uh, he's going to be one of the victims of the horny gas in the few episodes. Uh, so look forward to that one. Another sexy episode. See, the thing <laughs> is <already> that <laughs> see, normally they would have Teal'c, you know, getting uh-huh. morphed. Except he's immune yeah, he to is. disease because of the go the, old. The, yeah. So O'Neill's the next right. best. Yeah, the he, next most he, warrior. He's the like. second most worf member of the team. Uh, where's the Teal'c puberty episode? Uh huh. Well, there's a, there's there's a there's a. Um, there's an episode in season two where Teal catches a thing that that gets past his symbiote, and he gets real fucked up in that one. Uh, it's pretty gross. That one. Last episode, he had its "It is a good day to die" uh-huh. moment. Yeah. Nice. But uh, he got uh, saved. Uh, he got uh, spirited away by the Nox in that one. Um, so that's it for questions. Uh, next week is a better episode. Uh, it's Thor's hammer. Uh, as was alluded to, uh, the planet of the Norwegians, which is where they go, and uh, we get to meet another, well, n- not meet, but we get to allude to another alien species that uh, is related to ancient Earth cultures and will be significant to future Stargate lore. Um, so join us next week for that. Um <laughs> Uh, Planet of the Norwegians, yeah, weird Planet of the Apes spinoff. I mean, yeah, but that is literally where we're going next week. So uh, enjoy that yes. one. Slash nod to Conan. Right. Yeah. Uh, or maybe it's the Samaria from uh, Power Rangers. Oh yeah, mm. that is like a, a name, a recurring planet name, I guess. Um, <laughs> um, uh, you can join. Okay, so you can send questions to uh, the Jaffa Takes Twitter at at Jaffa Takes. Uh, you can also send an email to Jaffa Takes Podcast at gmail dot com. You can join the Jaffa Takes channel on the Audio Entropy Discord server uh, to chat with us and have some fun. You can follow my personal Twitter account at the Real Simben for a ver- variety of non Stargate related topics and also sometimes Stargate. Um, Eric, is there anything you want to plug? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter. That's at the moon rules, D a M O O N R U L Z. And coming up July 10th through July 24th is the Nagoya tournament for grand mm. sumo every single night on the audio entropy discord. We will be doing highlights of the top division. Yeah, Sounds great. Be there if that's your thing. Um, Dan, anything you want to plug? Uh, I'll just plug myself, too. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm on Twitter at, hey. at Vesgard, which is V-E-H-S-G-A-R-D. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just appreciate you guys having me. Yeah, you're welcome to be on. Uh, and thank you for filling in for a, a lean weekend, I guess, and for an episode that is uh, not the most exciting, but uh, it was nice to have you on for, uh, anyway. Uh, so, yeah, with that, uh, I'll let everyone enjoy their uh, country or whatever, their, their, their national holiday of predilection, whatever uh, beer you want to drink or uh, beat you want to grill. Uh, have fun with that. And I'll see you next week. Uncree.